Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. And now, if you're black, you gotta be a rapper, right? You gotta go to jail, you gotta be a rapper. Yeah. Gotta get street credits, and then we'll, you know, Cardi B is like, come on. And I gotta sit and watch this. It's just so sad. Yeah. And the, good, the only good thing about it is that if you reflect on the good times and you, real music like you're doing, thank God, bless your heart, and getting that message out there because uh, there's so much more to come, you know. And then we, if we could just get off this reservation of rap, you know, and, and, and gangster rap, and, and everybody's a pole dancer. You know, I don't know if I'm just getting older, but it's kind of like, come on, guys. Yeah, bit, yeah, it's rent's course. I mean, that's why even just uh, 20 years ago, you know, Prince like backed off of that and stopped using all the profanity and stuff and just yeah. focused on the music because it was like yeah, it was, it had was, gone past any kind of. Yeah, no, he was at, he, he took it all the way out there. And, uh, he has a lot to be. Uh, he had to come back, pull it back because I saw him perform. And it was. I was a little afraid for him. I was like, you know, you're dealing with some evil forces here, man. Some forces that I don't think you realize that you, you're tapping into something that's very negative, and you're, you're you're inspiring a lot of children and people who you don't know. You don't you you're, you're putting something out there. That if you don't believe it, if you don't believe in it, and I, and he didn't because when I met him, I thought he was this freakish guy, you know, this like you know, crazy guy who's just out there. No, he didn't believe none of that stuff. He wasn't gay. He didn't watch any porno. He didn't watch, he didn't believe in that stuff. Are you talking he, about meeting him on that tour or later? On the tour. We were on tour together. He hung out on the bus with us. We played basketball together, you know, and he was nothing like his image. And it was just, it was just incredible. So I'm thinking, what are you doing? What Do you realize what you're doing? Which, the forces you're tapping into with all this? Stuff and, and he comes out with the with the drawers on and the ass hanging out. Little kids are looking going, and I'm going like, oh my god! It's like he really used some forces that I think that um, he regretted down the line, you know. But I regretted it when he did it, you know. That, that was like 1981 when you. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And that he was dealing with some very dark forces that 
you know, I think he was just trying to get paid, and the people that were controlling him were just trying to get, get him paid, and he just went along with it. But he pulled it back, and he changed as time went on. But, yeah, I think he really regrets. But behind the scenes, he was just a regular cat, right? Yeah, yeah. It was nothing like, like what we saw. What it about Rick James? Like, Rick James was... Rick James was Rick James. You know, he was just, he was, uh, he was living the rock and roll lifestyle to the hill. Uh, you know, till he got sick, he was just living the lifestyle. We hung out at his house a couple of times. And, you know, excess of everything. Excess, excess, excess. And, uh, you know, he was the kind of guy that if you didn't get along with him, you might have to knock him out. You know, and a couple of times I almost wanted to. And, uh, and like that story, did you ever see the stuff with uh, Dave Chappelle? Yeah. That's true. That's just that. I'm really Rick James, happened. bitch. Yeah. Yeah, that's really him. <laughs> you had to really like, wow. You know, and his name was Johnson, too. His real name was Johnson. So I'm a Johnson. And he's a Johnson. And I'm like, look, man, you better call that stuff out there because you're about to be Rick James without no teeth. <laughs> but he was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, he big ego. Big ego, he thought he was stuck until Prince came out and blew their band away. Then they, that tour ended. We came out first, and then Prince was on the side of the stage watching us every night. They all got our sound checks because we were the we were the fusion guys. We were the progressive guys. We were the guys that played licks. We he loved our guitar player um, Eddie Martinez. He would be out there watching Eddie, everything Eddie did, you know. And we were on it. He was like, "Wow, okay, cool." This is before he became Prince, you know. This was just a, a young group, and they just had um, I Want to Be Your Lover. You know, they had that one song out. Who knew it was going to be, you know, turned out to be what it did, you know. But um, it's history now, but uh, it's amazing. These cats came in, did their thing, and now they're gone, you know. It's amazing, and I'm, I, yeah. I'm honored to be alive. I'm honored to be still, you know, a relic of that period, but I'm still here. At least I can tell the story to you. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm still playing. And uh, what's left of the music industry, I'm playing locally here. I play out in Long Island. This group called the 70s Band, and they work a lot. And it's lucrative. I don't have to get on a plane, you know. And uh, my fingers still work, and I can still sing a song. That's so I'm fantastic. honored to be able to still do that. You know what I'm saying? That's fantastic. Yeah. And Absolutely. so glad that you are too, because, you know, like you said, I mean, that's, I feel like I'm in a race against time in a lot of ways doing the show because I'm trying to get, you know, all the great players from back then while they're still with us. So, you know, um, that's it. That's it. Well, I just turned, I just turned 65 in August. So it's like, wow, whoever thought that, you know, 65 would come so fast. Got a grandson and, uh, you know, music is, is still important to me, but it's not the whole world to me. You know, I, it's, I'm just, I'm, every day I, I take, I take with, with, with a, a treasure. I take every breath as a treasure. And today with the COVID thing, so many people left here, you know, I'm just honored to be, to, to be living and breathing every day. If I'm playing, fine. If I'm not playing, fine. You know, God's been really good to me. I got a loving wife. I got, my, my daughter is a up-and-coming artist. She's an actress. She's, she's going to be something else. Her name is Ashanti J. Aria. And uh, my son has his own business, and life is good right now. It's my second marriage, you know, and I'm friends with my with my ex, and uh, it's just a really good time right now. You know, I, I stopped for a while and was working with the Board of Education, you know, for about 20 years, so I was able to get a little pinch in. I got my health, my health benefits. I just got two new hips. 
<laughs> I have one. I have one. <laughs> How long ago? Uh, about five years. How's it doing? Is the numbness gone yet? I still have a little numbness. Yeah, they say that won't go away, all away completely. That's what I heard. But, yeah. But are you riding bikes and doing things that you want to do? Oh, a bicycle, yeah, but I cannot run like I used to. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't have to run. Hopefully you live in a neighborhood where you don't have to run. <laughs> yeah. Not out, out of choice only, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of the other uh, records you end up uh, sure. doing, too. So you also were on um, the Nard record, which was another yeah. sort of, uh, I won't put it quite on the same level as Don Blackman's, but it's pretty in there for a funk you know, record, and, and yeah. what do you remember well, about Nard doing... Nard comes from Blackman. Nard grew up idolizing Donald Blackman. They're from this, literally, lived around the corner from each other. And Nard is another anomaly, brilliant uh, protege. He played at my wedding when he, his feet couldn't even touch the ground. <laughs> you know, he was like, uh, you, you, have you seen this kid, the, uh, the JR experience, young um, kid, he's a, he's a Phenom, he plays keys, plays bass, plays guitar. The JL experience, have you seen that? Not sure. No? Not yeah. ringing the bell. Anyway, no, I was one of those guys. You know, perfect pitch, played at my wedding. And so he came up after that, jazz cat to play, and um, um, he grew up, um, you know, it was just a natural pro progress. After after playing for Donald, he wanted to be playing sing on his album. Because he idolized my band. My band, I had a band called Five Carat Soul, my neighborhood band, the band that I grew up playing with. And his band was the Young Fireballs. They would open up for us, and they would do shows with us. So they grew up idolizing us. So when he got his deal, he wanted me to play and sing on his album. I sing that song, Please just don't ignore all what you really came here for, and please don't you ignore Things that are like keys to doors. So we, we did that in the studio. And then I did we did background. That was when people were still doing hand claps. So that was just another extension of the Jamaica thing. Tom Brown, Donald Blackman, Bernard Wright. Uh, did you ever play on any of Tom's records? No. No. Because I left after that and I was I was uh, I think Sekou Bunch played on it. I did so many artists like in this, before they got their deals like playing like live in local clubs. And then they got the deal and then I was gone or the game would go on or just didn't work out. I played with Melissa Morgan. She had uh she had a couple of hits. She did, speaking of Prince, she redid Do Me Baby. Sure, sure. And I was we did a gig, uh, a long standing gig in Manhattan at a club called the Cellar for like a year. And then she got signed. And then I went somewhere and she went saying, uh Johnny Kemp. Same club. Just got paid. There. Yeah. And then before he got just got paid, we were down there, you know, creating music. He got signed, you know. So um, when I did, when I did, hi, how you doing with um, with uh, Kenny G? For me, you know, they wanted to sign me. Clive Davis wanted to sign me, but it wasn't the right time for me. It was just wasn't the right time. I knew that if I signed and was just putting all my energy into music. I was going to sacrifice my family. I was going to be gone. I was going to be like, you know, so I just kind of like did everything I could not to get signed. You know, we did, they, they came down. It was all the bottom line in Manhattan. Kenny G's record was out. It was a hit record. Okay, we're going to feature Barry's son, Johnny here. Barry Johnson's going to come up and sing a song. Whitney Houston's there. Clive Davis is there. 
Clive Davis looks me in the eye, grabs me. I want to sign you. I want to sign you. Scared the hell out of me. I wanted to just, you know, okay, all right, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> it was like, I don't know. Was uh, I don't was Preston Glass or John yeah. uh, Joe Plass uh, those guys involved? Preston, yes. Preston. Yeah, yeah. He was on the show recently. We were talking about yeah, Kenny G. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. He was a big producer for that. Yeah. But um, the production I did was um, it was it was under Kashif, and it was Wayne Brathaway, the bass player, who produced it under the umbrella of Kashif. Did a great job. It's called Hi, how you doing? What's happening, baby? Hey, how you doing? Ooh, and my, my guitar player for my band, Steve Horton, wrote it. He's from Queens, too. And I did the vocals. So, yeah, it was uh, an interesting time for creativity. How, how, how did you uh, connect with Cameo? Cameo just called me out the blue one day. I had no I don't even remember what happened. Larry, Larry Blackman called me one day. He's from out in Long Island. What's the one of the places, but... We went in uh, the studio and did single life, you know, and uh, and then one day I was somewhere, somewhere, and I heard it. Like that sounds familiar. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! Oh my God, that's me! It's single life. Don't, 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 don't. You know, that's how it is. You do stuff, you, you go on, you move, and then you hear one day at a bank, and you go like, wait a minute! I was in the bank one day. I was listening to other than ATM, and I had Rob, Robert Palmer early in the morning. The bass solo, you know. <laughs> oh shit, that's me. <laughs> hey, that's, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> did, did you play on Simply Resistible too, or just or just early in the morning? Simply Irresistible. I don't think so. I don't think so. Same album though, and the yeah, uh, cameo I think uh, was Attack Me with Your Love on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was just just incredible how that happened. Like, boom, you know. But um, yeah, it's uh it's been a nice ride. And, um, and Atlantic Star, how did you connect yes. with them? Atlantic Star, you've done your homework. <laughs> well, yeah, I had I had um, one of the brothers was on the show, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I played on. Um, if your heart isn't in it, why don't you tell me so? Yeah, that was nice. I also did a track with um, Dave, sax player. Oh my God! Cause? No, not Dave Cause. Um, Sanborn. Oh. Who? David Sanborn. David Sanborn. Yeah. He flew me. He drew. They sent me a limo, and uh, Marcus produced the track, and uh, we did it at Minot Studios. It was great. It was really nice. It was a nice day. Yeah. Well, did you actually get to? Uh in doing the cameo record, did you go in studio with Larry Blackman? Yeah, which is me and him, really. What What was he like? He was very quiet, very cool, very very focused on what he was doing, very professional. Didn't really get into no lengthy discussion. I just kind of did it, and then that was it. You know, gone. Thanks. Cool. Man. Yeah, he was very he was very um very focused, very professional. At that point, they it. they had like whittled down like three of the three guys, and they were yeah. using outside players. Exactly, exactly. They split up, and it was just you know I didn't even get into the politics of it. I was just okay, we'll do it. We did it, and that was it. Yeah, the rest is history. I'm thinking that Atlantic Star record uh, sales and radio play wise is probably the most popular one that you've been associated with. You think so? 
I wonder because nobody sent me a gold record <laughs> <laughs> or a platinum. That's a huge hit. I mean, I know, I know. Kenny G owes me a platinum record or a double platinum record. Uh, Robert Palmer, I got Robert Palmer's right here. That's a platinum one. Um, you know, some people owe me some things. Yeah, well, they'll see this and hopefully, you know, take action. You know. Yeah. But um, what what is what is I like to ask uh, some of my guests. You know, what does funk music mean mean to you, and why is it so special? Funk music. Well, it's just an original. It comes from. It's just a, a derivation from the gospel, from black music. From it's just an extension from the soul, from the R and B to the funk. It's a natural progression. Now, funk is 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 within all those things. Funk in the church, some church stuff is funky as can be, and so, you know. But they just took that element out and focused it on that. James Brown took it, and focused. Fly Stone took it and created, made this little area over here, and then it was just it became its own entity. But it comes from the church. It comes from the you know um, the lives of the pain and and, and, and the suffering. Of, of you know my people of my people from what they're going through you know uh, being American descendants of slavery right because that's what we are we're American descendants of slavery so that music is a part of the pain and the frustration of, of not being understood of being used and abused but finding our happy place it's gospel it's, it's all of that and that funk is a, is a extension of that. That's what funk is, and so I don't know where it's going. I guess rap is also an extension of that. The rap is taking another, going another direction, and uh, but the funk is definitely. I mean, James Brown would explain it. What is that? He said, "That's saxophone." No, it's not. It's a drum. What's that? That's a bass. No, it's not. It's a drum. Everything was a drum there, and if you don't feel it, you don't create that funk. You ain't doing nothing. You got to get it on the one. You know, so the funk, you do it until you get that thing. It's got to breathe. That music has got to breathe. If it's breathing and it's funky, then you got it. If it ain't, if it ain't stepping, then that ain't the funk. So call it what you want. To, but to me, it's just an extension of the gospel and the, and the pain, the blood, the sweat, and the tears of uh you know co uh, coming to this country and and, and being here and uh, expressing ourselves in any way we can and i think that's what funk is and and how does it touch you when you're locked in the pocket in that groove oh when you're locked in the pocket the groove is surreal it's like you leave your body you're gone it's like you know it's not even you anymore you're, you're a vessel you know it's there so it's just a you know you know, it takes on a life of its own. You just, you just, you just go with it. You know what I mean? You just, it's surreal, man. It's like very few things feel like that. But uh, yeah, you can, you can leave your body, man. It's just an interaction. You're watching people respond to it, and you're responding to them, responding to you. And there's nothing like it. It's just, you know, the sweat is poured off you, and everybody's dancing. It's like, it's like. It's deep, man. It's like having group sex. You know, it's like you're playing all of each other, everybody, all at the same time. It's awesome. There it's you awesome. go. Yeah, the, fir the first was the like historical perspective. That's a visceral feel, Absolutely. you know? <laughs> it's that connection. You need people to do it. 
can't, you know, you can't do it all by yourself. You get you you're playing off of each other. Yeah. yeah. And that thing happens. You know when you when it happens, you know it. What, what, was there anyone in particular that stands out that you saw play back in the day and the peak of prime funk and, and that music that just yeah. kind of blew your socks off? Larry Graham. Larry Graham. Larry Graham. I saw him. I was in college. I was like, what? Like, wow. It was like, because oh. I didn't get a chance to see Hendrix live. Okay. But Larry and his band encompassed all of that, that, that Northern California funk that came, you know, um, that, that funk, because they had a different funk in, 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 in Northern California. You know, uh, George Duke had it, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, Larry Graham. And when I saw that here in Queens, like here, you know, and they were, man, it, was, it had that thing. It had that thing, that thing that we were all, and that was it. That was it. I ch it changed how I played after that. I met him a couple of times. You know, he's a Leo like me. We, we you know, he, he even called me up to play. There used to be a club here called Tramps. And he called bass players up to come up and play. You know, that's how confident he was with his thing, you know. And I went up and did what I did. You know, it's like, he was like, oh, okay. Uh, uh. And that little, uh, that made it for me. That's all. <laughs> I played a line. We both played, right? And then I played a line, and he said, <laughs> that was validation for me, <laughs> and a uh, really nice guy. And um, he was a nice guy. They, yeah, but live, man, they found the funk. They stayed in the funk, and they they wasn't stopping until you got funked. Tighter than tight, he had his band. Tighter than a gnat's ass. Tight. So he had that thing. Uh, who else? Um, I could see it was sliding down the stone. I could see they had a, that thing too, and. Um, uh, who else live? Man. A lot of local groups here had it, but for them, when I saw Larry Graham do it like that, I had never seen anybody do it like that. And then they had the rock element too, you know, it was like he had both of those things. The funk didn't it wasn't just funk, they had the rock element too. And then Funk Funkadelic took it to another level. When I saw Funkadelic, it was the same kind of thing. They they took it to another level. Yeah. You talk about being confident enough to have, you know, you come up and play or whatever. I remember I saw Stanley Clark once, and he invited any bass player in the audience to come on up and play with him. And there was this line of about a dozen guys living out their all-time dream yes. and just strapping it on and taking a, a turn with Stanley. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, we used to have a place thinking of the RKO here. All the groups would come to this place up on Jamaica Avenue, five minutes from here. In fact, I lived closer to it then. It was I could walk there. Cool and the Gang, the OJs, James Brown, the Five Stair Steps. On any given weekend, we could see these groups. So I used to go there. I didn't have five dollars, so I would take my guitar case and go in the side entrance. They think I'm in the pan, right? And I would just mingle and hang out. And I remember having this recurring dream. Oh my God! It was like Cool and the Gang. Uh, you know, because Cool Bell was the bass player. And I knew all their songs, so I was like, I used to have this recurring dream that, uh, oh, sorry to, you know, to tell you, but uh, Cool is not feeling well. Is there any bass player in the house who could come in? And then, and then I would go, oh, and just <laughs> catapult me up over the audience into the bass, which is based on my neck, and I would just turn it out. I had that dream over and over again. So I guess that when I did the thing with Larry, it was kind of like that. It was like, wow, here it is. 
the dream that you dreamt, here it is. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But that's incredible, man. Yeah. You know, you gotta be careful what you think, because it can come true. Wow. <laughs> It really can. And I'm so glad that he's still he's still playing, you know. And yes, sir. His brother just well, his brother just passed. Yeah, they've been doing it for so long, man. And what what a great group, man. They stood the test of time, years and years of music. They were just as so much part of my musical experience as anybody. You know, growing up in the, in the kid playing the block parties, playing uh, all the cool and the gang stuff. Oh man, it was awesome. Yeah, awesome. yeah. How did you connect with Robert Palmer? Robert Palmer's guitar player is Eddie Martinez, who uh -huh. was the guitar player with 29 Lady okay. White. So he was just, he said, you gotta get back, get back. Their bass player was in rehab or something like that. And they called me. And then uh, I got a chance to record with him and do, do like a couple of gigs. Yeah. Did you get to meet him? Oh, yeah. 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 And, he was, and cool. was he, he was a cool guy? Very nice guy. Liked the sauce a little bit, liked to drink the sauce. Heavy on the sauce. But a sweetheart, a sweetheart. I think it eventually took his toll on him. He was a heavy, heavy drinker, you know. But he could create some things after he had his Jack Daniels, man. I saw him in the studio, man. It was like, wow, how'd you hear that? That was after he had a couple of drinks where he would like, he would really hear some stuff. I mean, he was very talented. He could hear. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Barry. Did you say you performed with him or only in studio? Uh, no, I performed the, uh, some gigs with him. So you got to do some of the repertoire of... Yes, yes. We did a whole set. We played uh, in Universal City. Uh, we did a gig uh, in L.A. It was a big gig. Uh, Joe Smith was there. Uh, all kind of people was there. Because he had and a lot uh, of hits. He did, he did, yeah. He had major backing behind him, and uh, he was their guy, yeah. It's Eddie Martinez on guitar, so we, we just loved it, man. You talk about playing loud. Oh, my God. That's the loudest I've ever been on stage to play. I said, Eddie, Eddie, isn't this shit really loud? He said, it's rock and roll, man. It's rock and roll. <laughs> wow. I'll never forget that. And I can hear, I can take a lot of music. That was loud for me. I mean, my body was, like that. It was shaking, man. It was crazy. Did you say, was, 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 was Eddie also from Jamaica? Eddie's from the Bronx. Okay, because I know he also, you know, worked with Run DMC, and they're from Queens. So yeah, I... yeah, sure. And that, and that happened because of Larry Smith. Larry Smith is the guy who produced Run DMC, another bass player from here out of Queens. He also played with their group, the Fireballs. You know, the Fireballs, they got all the local guys that come in and out to play bass for some reason. Me, Larry Smith, Dave Jackson, Marcus Miller, we all were in that band at one time or another. The Fireballs, they're like a staple here in this community. You, you know, they, those guys... So many people came through that house. It was a mother and father, and they had about eight kids, and half the kids were musicians, and they had basement, the basement um, set up down there, and we went down there and played, and they had gigs all year round. We played all the, the vocal society stuff, weddings. They were like, you know, when I was a teenager, they had it going on. They were like a working band. You know, they did all the cover tunes, we played the cover tunes, but that's how we learned to play. We played over and over again, played this stuff, learn how to entertain. And, uh, you know, Winky and me and Howie Great and Denzel Miller and, and then Narda came through there. I mean, that house, the great house should be, you should interview that house alone. Those guys created so, it was like a school. Mama Great and Papa Great, right? And they never locked the doors. You could go in there and practice anytime. Ronnie Drayton, Bernard Wright, Don Blackman, 
uh, Onate Allen Gums, Najee. We all went through that house, the great house, G-R-A-T-E. And uh, it was like a meeting place of the minds. We jammed and we did gigs and we rehearsed. And now mom and pop are gone and, uh, you know, it's amazing, man. But that house was a part of our learning tree. You can go there anytime. Don't wow, it there. should be like a historical landmark. It should be. It literally should be. And they've named the street after the father uh, recently, Henry Great, Henry Great Way, because of that, because we all came through there. You ask any of these guys from Queens about the Great House. You ask Tom Brown, ask Bernard, you can't ask Tom. But ask anybody who came through there, they'll tell you their story. Everybody got a story at the Great House. And uh, that was our local place to go and play, and, and, and with no judgment. You know, you could be, whether you were good or bad, you strive to get better. If you couldn't play, Look, come over here and play this. You play. You know, we learned to play there, and that's and that was it was a beautiful thing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm going to say that that's the reason that I didn't, you know, progress on my instruments is there weren't many basements in uh, Los Angeles, so I didn't sure. have I didn't have any basements to go do my thing in. Right, you know, without <laughs> driving your parents crazy, turn that damn thing down. <laughs> we could go down there and they don't hear us that much, right? You know, you can uh, just turn down a little bit. And in Brooklyn, they didn't really have that many bases either, or in Manhattan. And they say that's what makes the Queens musicians a little different. Because we have that edge where we could practice. We got more playing time in because we had basements. You know? Yeah. So that's what makes us a little different. Um, so yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Najee, and I wanted to uh, comment. You were on his um, Earth, Wind & Fire tribute album, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. the Larry Dunn thing kind of had a later yeah, on, it, you know? Yeah, it's all connected in strange ways. It's just, you know, it's amazing. I mean, Larry Dunn picked me up from the airport, and I was like, Larry Dunn, wow. I was still, I had never met him. I know Earth in the Fire was already famous. And Lenny didn't tell me he was going to send Larry Dunn to pick me up. And here comes Larry Dunn at the airport. I'm like, holy shit, Larry Dunn. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, in the car, I was like, Wow, Larry Dunn. It's amazing. I'll never forget it. He was so cool and so forthcoming and so down to earth and so real. You know, he was the producer and he and he did I see how Earth with a Fire did the, did the things they did and how we I was right there, watched him do it and uh, we became really good friends. He's still friends to this day. He's still a, he and his wife great. They're really good people. No, oh, they are. They're really genuine. Yep. So, is there any particular um, show or performance or just experience from the road that just stands out that you're like, that maybe you've 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 told and been like, I can't believe this happened? And oh boy, yes. <laughs> but I don't think I can go into it now. But there was one time where uh, we used to like we were so crazy. We used to like fight and wrestle. You know, me, Donald Blackman. But he's a big dude, I'm a big dude. We used to fight and wrestle in a brotherly way. And we were in Norman, Oklahoma. And after the gig, we started wrestling and fighting and, and carried on and broke one of the doors in the club. Everybody had gone home. And we were just, it was crazy. We were crazy. Broke one of the doors in the club. So we get to the hotel room. This is Norman, Oklahoma, okay? Everybody has guns. And this guy comes up and says, I don't know what's going on, but somehow y'all don't start over fixing my door. And he pulls out. 
complex. So we're all in the freaking hotel carrying that ocean. And then our road manager goes out and talks him down and calms him down and pays for it. And uh, another time we were in uh, L.A., we were so crazy. You know, I don't know, I guess we were living a rock and roll fantasy or something. And we were doing stupid shit like we would get water balloons on Sunset Strip, a club called, I mean, a, a hotel called, uh, what's it called, the Hyatt House. But they used to call it the Riot House, right? All the rockers stayed there. The comedy store was right next door, you know, uh, Roxette, Roxy's, Rox, Rox, Roxy. The Roxy was down the block, you know. So after the, after the concert, this was like a local hangout. So we would get water balloons. And at that time, in the uh, like early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, prostitution was, was ridiculous. It was just, you know, such as straight at night, which is crazy. You know? yeah. Like anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So we like get water balloons and throw them at the prostitutes after off the like tenth floor and then running hard in our rooms, crazy things like that. Pull a fire alarm, cut. I mean, it was crazy. But the main person that was doing this was our guitar player, um, Nick Morrock. He was like a rocket to his heart. I went on tour with him later on with this artist called Claude Nugaro in Paris. We played. Uh, it's another. Uh, an artist. His music was French, but he's like the French Tony Bennett. Very famous. And uh, we did a, a album called Live in Les Zenith. Uh It's a, a big uh, a big venue in Paris called Les Zenith. And uh, we played there. We toured. I, I, I went out with him twice. Uh, and um, that was the European tour. And then with Eddie, we, uh, we went to Japan and we toured with an artist called Ryuichi Sakamoto. He got Academy Award for the movie The Last Dragon, mm. and uh, he was a funk. He was a funker to his heart. He loved funk music, so he wanted to add that funk to his Japanese thing. You know, he's a classical piano player, but he he loved the funk, classical and funk. So that's on YouTube. Uh, the tour was called Neo Geo. Sounds like Bernie Worrell, classic and funk. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, uh, um, he, he did the music for The Last Dragon. He got Academy Award for that. And we toured under the name of Neo Geo. It's Ryuichi Sakamoto, Claude Nugaro. I mean, it's been great. I've, been, I've had a chance. This, this instrument has taken me around the world, you know, on one, in one form or another. In fact, this is a bass Marcus. Marcus sent me. Uh, no he pick card. He said, yeah, he, he said, you need a new bass? You need a bass? He sent it to me. It's his, it's his uh, signature bass. I was like, nice. cool, man. <laughs> sure, why not? I could use another baby to the house. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, like, I've had a chance to do it on different levels. I've had a chance to see the world. I've had a chance to open up and, and play music and, and live a dream. Uh, I'm not rich. And I'm not poor, and uh, I'm still healthy, and I consider that a win-win. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Absolutely. <laughs> so good to hear, man, Barry. And yes, um, how how can people kind of keep tabs on you a little bit? So maybe when you know this pandemic lifts, maybe you'll do some shows or whatever you're going to yeah, do. Yeah. How how can I'm they keep gonna, up? I, I do. There's still stuff I want to do. I still want to. I want people to know the voice. They hear it, but they don't know it's me. So I'm not quite finished yet. I'm going to keep on 
keeping on. I'm in the transition of uh, me and my wife are thinking about moving out of New York. We want to go south where it's a little warmer. I come close you to know? me in Charlotte. Where are you? Charlotte. Okay. So, uh, hey, uh, thank you so much for the stories, for all the great music, for joining the show, and uh, much appreciated, and so glad to talk to you, and wish you just health and, you know, more music. My pleasure. God bless you for what you're doing, getting the story out there, keeping this going. It's a wonderful thing. It's a story that's worth being told, and I'm just happy to be a part of it, and I'm happy that you uh, found me to share my, my part in it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at FunkinStuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at ScottG at FunkinStuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now... And as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Wolfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.